That's right, back, Charlie. People deluded, I'm back again with an introduction like that. What more is there to be said? I've got my good friend FK in the building, his second time on the show, special guest settings. First things first, appreciative of doing this video with myself. I know you've had a long day and it is late at the time of recording. How you doing, my friend, man? I'm good, man. Every time I watch that intro, that goal, man. What a goal. What a goal. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for, ha oh. thanks for having me on. No, man, I'm happy to have you here, man. People, make sure you're subscribed to The Latte Firm and also make sure you're following them all on his socials. Information's in the description or will be at the time of making this. I'm good, my guy. I'm a bit sour because I think we've been spoiled this season as Arsenal fans. Obviously, our last two games in all comps, we haven't won. Before we talk about PSV, talk to me about Aston Villa, man. What was your thoughts on everything, Villa? Oh, mate, it was such a... It was such a sad day. Like, I felt so dejected, man. I'm sure you did as well. So many exactly. Arsenal fans were so disappointed. Like, on the one hand, Aston Villa are, are amazing this season. 14 wins on the spin at home. Obviously, you know, they pumped City and they pumped them good the few days into, yeah. the, into that weekend. Um, but I'm really disappointed more because I think the defeat was down to us. Like, I know people have talked about the refs. People have talked about the VAR and the goal disallowed and all that sort of stuff. But we just, we were so wasteful. We were so wasteful, DG. Like, you know, we created chances and Erdegaard was wasteful. Saka was wasteful. Martinelli, we just couldn't break that high line time and time again. And in the end, it was just a frustrating day out. And listen, Fact. we've lost two games this season, right? Newcastle and Villa. Two very, very tough places to go. I'm sure they'll take points off, you know, some of the top teams this season. And sometimes, you know, you can't win every game. So, look, I'm, I'm frustrated, but I've reflected and I'm still positive and we just got to go again. I'm with you with that, man, in the sense of, you know, I'm never happy to lose and I don't want to be that Arsenal fan. You know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But if I sat here in August and or if somebody sat here in August, better yet, and offered me two defeats against two of the best performing teams in the league, I'd probably take it. Just on the Villa game, I don't know how you are, but I think Newcastle and the Villa game, they're quite similar in a sense of, I feel, you know, we've talked about these teams. Fans have been a bit nervous, rightly so, going into these games. And for all of the hype, not to knock them, we've kind of, it's not really been that from them. We've kind of dominated the game. I feel against Newcastle, we were good in, in the midfield and in defence. We just didn't create anything. Similar to the Villa game, I, I think we was a bit slow and ultimately it comes down to being wastefulness. What do you make of that then? Because, you know, we've been able to stifle teams and when we have dropped points this season, you know, obviously it, it results are all that matters, but we haven't exactly been the second best team. So ha would you say that's a positive? Is that something you've seen or disagree where you're at with that? I think you've nailed it. I think this season we are so much tougher to beat, so much tougher to break down. I think we've conceded the most number of goals from individual errors, which as yeah. soon as we start turning that tap, man, we are going to be a very, very difficult team to beat. So defensively, we, we seem so much more solid. I think you make a really good point about the Newcastle and Villa game and that Newcastle, I think we were in control. Like, yeah. we didn't create too many chances, but we were comfortable. You know, Newcastle struggled to really lay a finger on us. And it was a proper sparring uh, sort of affair. And, you know, we, we could have nicked it maybe on another day. The Villa game, though, I thought we were in real control. Villa flew out the blocks. First 10, 15 yeah. minutes, 
I thought, you know what, first 10, 15 minutes are going to be tough. You know, they're going to be on that high after being City. If we can see it out, we'll come into the game. And that's exactly what we did. Like we bossed the game, got into our rhythm, created chances, were just wasteful in the final third. And, you know, play that game 10 times over the next 10 weekends. We yeah. probably win eight or nine, eight or nine of them. So like everything that I see in terms of like performance, structure, um, underlying metrics in terms of like XG and, you know, uh, chances sort of conceded, there's a lot to be encouraged about. A lot. There's a lot to be encouraged about. Why do you think we were so wasteful? Obviously, you're not Mikel Arteta and neither am I, but goals win games. And I'm pretty sure you was there like myself. We was all scratching our heads thinking, why is it not gone in the back of the net? And I did think we would score. I did think it was coming. As you said, you know, against Aston Villa, they flew out the blocks. You know, the high they're on this week, what they've been doing this season, you know, the Uno Emre tag, that was bound to have happened. I think we let ourselves down for that goal. But other than that, it just seemed like they were at our mercy. And, you know, very rarely do you see them games happen nowadays in the Premier League and the team walks away with a clean sheet. But why do you think we didn't have our shooting boots on, man? It's a really good question. And I've thought about this so much, DG, man. Like, on the one hand, I can't knock the team because we did create those chances. And look, you can't, score goals for fun every week, every game. Yeah. And sometimes you just need that one goal. And for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. Martinez made a couple of good saves. Erdegaard, who, you know, we talked about the Ozone, you know, he gets into the box and he arrives with such beautiful timing. He normally does so much better on those cutbacks. And for some reason, he's kind of scuffed his shots, rushed yeah. his shots. Um, sometimes it just doesn't go your way. Like, you know, you don't have to sort of overanalyze everything and, and always have a reaction for everything. Like, you know, we played that game we were in control. We did have more shots, more attempts. We had many more touches in the penalty area than Villa had in ours. And these are good underlying metrics. And like I said, man, if we played that game, you know, 10 times over the next 10 weeks, we'd probably win it eight or nine times. It was just, you got to put it down as an off day. Shooting boots weren't on. One thing that did surprise us was how high Villa played. Yeah. You know, I know they've played a high line throughout the season and really effectively, like Sky Sports made a, made a graphic of that, but we just couldn't, we just couldn't break it down. And, and maybe it was like a, a personnel thing, you know, Jorginho in midfield, the one ball we know he loves to do is that little dink ball, a little, yeah. little clip. Maybe on another day, Arteta sort of reacts a little sooner, but I can't fault the boys. I thought, you know, we played well, Villa got the early break and we just couldn't break him down. I'm pretty sure you've been asked, but you mentioned personnel and I'm pretty sure you're asked this, you know, with your, with your fellow Arsenal fans or online does that game beg the question that we need a striker either in January, probably unlikely or in the summer or just in general to take us up this level? You know, man, it's a really easy um, conclusion for a lot of people to come to because obviously we don't have that prolific 25, 30 goal a season, man. Yeah. I get it. We know Erling Haaland can do that at City. Um, we know that, you know, Mo Salah with so many of the forwards at Liverpool have got, you know, chance creation monsters. They can score goals for fun. But I think what a lot of people forget is just how good Gabriel Jesus is at everything but scoring goals. I know it sounds sad, isn't it? Loony. Yeah, it sounds loony, but when he plays, those who watch Arsenal every weekend for 90 minutes will know his link up, his press, his target man ability, his movement. It causes havoc for our wide guys. I mean, you look at Saka's numbers, the guy's on a ridiculous goals and assists sort of trajectory. Martinelli's not quite hit the, hit the ground running this season, but it's going to come. And so you know, look at Kai Havertz, three goals in three now, three goals yeah, in Yeah, he's four. finding his feet and looking comfortable. Yeah, and it's because Jesus causes so much havoc. Now, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I would love to have a player up front who is scoring 20, 25 goals a season. But 
I just I just feel that Jesus does so much for the team that I'm not necessarily sure that's the obvious answer. So yeah, look, wish list for January. I would love a striker, but I'm not gonna lose my shit if we, you know, if we, if we don't get someone over the line. It's it's quite crazy in that I agree with you. You know, you're right, full stop in that. Jesus, I do think people have an underappreciation of everything else he does. And I do feel a bit unfair for strikers. I do think on one hand they've got the best job because they can stink up the place for about 89 minutes. They score in the night if they're heroes. But if you score goals, people talk about your assists and your general play and your heat maps and all of that stuff. If you do what Jesus does, then there's no denying it. There is some truth, but there's evidently a lack of goals. And it, that is one thing I would say. I wouldn't say it concerns me because, as you said, we've got a young squad, we're on a trajectory, et cetera, et cetera. But I just think we need more answers than questions, especially just off the premise of if we're looking at winning the Premier League because Martinelli, first season last year where you got double figures, I don't know if you're going to do that again because you haven't got a strong catalogue. The same goes to Martin Odegaard and a lot of them. And it's a bit weird because, you know, I think when we started this season, we were very good defensively. We we're good in the middle third. And then we were talking about chance creation. I feel in the last couple of games, it's kind of the opposite in that our defensive standards are dropping. But we can't say we're not creating chances. You know, me and you just sat here and spoke about the lack of actually finishing chances. So I guess it's a weird thing in football, man. You touched on it, though, with Martinelli. People have kind of said he's, he's a bit slower this season. Do you believe that? Where are you at with that? And indirectly, does Zinchenko's form kind of affect him? There's a lot in there. Um, to start with Martinelli, yeah. we know that he he's so capable of so much more in terms of goals and assists and his return hasn't quite been there this season. I think Saka, a lot of our play has gone down the right-hand side and when it comes yeah. from the left side, it's more central. So Havertz tends to be in those positions. I think Martinelli, I read somewhere, there was a stat, like he's his expected goals for the whole season is something like 2.6 or something, something really low. And he's wow. only, only scored, I think, two league goals. So, um, yeah, yes. look, yeah, so there's a there's a bigger second half in him for sure, and he does need to score goals. I, I do feel that um, with Martinelli, obviously we've had spells in the team where Jesus hasn't played, and when Enketia comes in, Martinelli really struggles. Havertz has tried to settle in that left position. You know, last season it was Granite Xhaka pinging the ball straight out to the left. Like that automatism was there. Like every time Granite Xhaka would get the yeah. ball and take that first or second touch, Martinelli was off. Um, this season he's a little bit maybe unsure about what Havertz is going to do and when he's going to distribute. Sinchenko, we know, loves to tuck inside. That is a great thing for our build-up. But again, he, he's Sinchenko, as good as he is on the ball, he's not. he doesn't release it quickly. He, you know, he likes to take one too many touches sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me DG um one too many touches it sometimes and, and of course as a result of that I think yeah Martinelli's you know game hasn't been as as fluid so um look I think it's going to come uh, and, and let's also look back at the start of the season we had Timber playing a little bit of left back Tommy Asu's played left back Sinchenko's obviously played left back um Kai Havertz has played left central midfield we've tried Trossard there so like it's just not you know, the right side is so consistent. You've got Ben yeah. White, Saka and Odegaard. Yeah. The left side, there's been so much change that I think that's had a detrimental impact on Martinelli's game, but you can't write him off. The boy is going to deliver numbers and I'm sure he will in the second half of the season. I think you're bang on the money. I think, you know, ultimately goals win games and assists and goals are what these sort of players live or die by. But up, up until he got his second goal, I was quite unaware that the last time he actually bagged in the league was actually against Manchester City, such as he's been playing. So I agree. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And I mean, what a high wow. that was. So... I, I agree with you, man. Form is temporary, class is permanent. These young players are trying to be in the same ilk as the most Salas, et cetera, et cetera. And clearly Saka's a bit ahead of him because whether Saka's 
the best on the world on a day or having a bit of a slow one, he's still having decisive actions. So he does have to learn that. You can't just, 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 on, on, just on, on Martinelli. One, one, one random thing. You know, you talked about having not having a goal scorer as a number nine. Yeah. Um, I take pelters for this all the time, but I think Martinelli could be an Arsenal number nine one day. Uh, and I let me explain to you why. Yeah, very briefly. Like, no, I'm not going there, man. Martinelli propaganda yeah. for this, bro. Yeah, no, no, listen, listen. I think he has the movement. I think he has the finishing. I think he has the energy. He he loves that running behind. He is a very, very good player. And he reminds me a lot of like Luis Suarez. And I think he yeah. can do it, man. Like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm keen to see him play there. But of course, that means we need a proper wide uh, sort of player on the left hand side. But, you know, we, we, can't rule that out. Like, I'd love to see him just get a spell of games there. Maybe if Jesus picks up another injury or goes missing for a bit, we can try him uh, through the centre. I think he's got all the attributes to be a proper, proper number nine, like a mobile number nine. But hey, listen, what do I know? I'm with you with that, man. I think, you know, it's probably a medium to long term thing with him. He's got to learn a lot of tricks, probably to learn to do a bit of that Gabriel Jesus stuff and he's back to goal. But I've always said it. I think Martinelli has that killer instinct to be a striker. And if he's able to do that, if we're able to bring in another striker, if Jesus finds his goal scoring boots on top of being amazing and, you know, you've got the trust arts and the have arts, et cetera, why not? More options means we're more unpredictable. And I do think, you know, just to piggy bank off a point you made, I think you made an excellent point in that, you know, some there's been a lot of change on the left-hand side. Obviously, even players that have been relatively ever-present, even Odegaard and Zinchenko, they've picked up little knocks and and, you know, we haven't, you know, really seen our front three, our first choice front three of Martinelli, Saka and Jesus play together. So I think you're right on that. You're indirectly, you know, name dropped Benjamin White and Zinchenko. I want to kind of speak about fullbacks. Where are you at with our fullback situation? Because Zinchenko seems to be, I won't quite say public enemy number one, because he has got a lot of good qualities. But yeah, there's question marks over him, man. Look, there are question marks over him. And listen, on the ball... There's no doubt he's a very technically gifted player, right? He's fantastic, actually. Um, you know, we've all seen the interviews with, was it Kyle Walker uh, back in the yeah. day? when he said yeah. that he's, he's the most technical most in the City team, technical yeah. Technical player in the City team, which is amazing. And we've seen, like, glimpses of that in our build-up play when he tucks into midfield and, you know, causes that overload. Fantastic. We know defensively he's not the best, you know, one-on-one -on -one yeah. sort of defender. If a fast wing is going up against him, you kind of hold your breath a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he doesn't think like yeah. a defender first. Yeah, aerially he's actually much better than you'd think because he's so short. But look, defensively we know he's a little bit frail. I think that's why Mikel went out and got Jurian Timber because A, Timber can play right back and left back and even centre back. Um, Tommy Asu's obviously there waiting in the wing and I think Tommy Asu's been selected in specific games to kind of nullify exactly I'd that. I'd have loved that him at Villa away, man. Priority. Tell me about it, man. And you know what? Uh, if he's not going to be fit for, for Anfield, that'll be a bit, a bit of a shame. <laughs> but, um, I've mentally checked off with Tommy Asu being there, man. I can't lie. I can't do it I know. Myself. Every time you get excited, it just kind of gets yep. taken away. <laughs> but listen, I like Sinchenko and I think... He definitely has a role to play in this team and this squad, but I think we just need to have that depth at left back or full back position where we can make changes depending on the, the game state or depending on who we're playing. Like there's no harm in that. It's a squad game these days. Ben White on the right hand side, man. Um, I love Ben White. I mean, who doesn't, right? All How can you not? Like yeah. Exactly. He's been playing with a with a soft tissue injury now for two or three weeks. The club are keeping an eye on that. Again, big shame that Jurian Timber has not been fit because he looks so promising and he would have added a bit more sad, depth. Sad, isn't it? Yeah. It's really sad. Very man. sad. Um, Tommy Asu can play right back, but of course we know, you know, he's he's got his injury problems. So look, I mean, I've got no problems with either Ben White or Sinchenko. I think they both are excellent players. They both have a role to play in the team. The saddest thing for me, DG, is that just when you look at the depth, 
the reason why we went out and bought Timber, the reason why we've got Tomiyasu um, is because we need that depth and that versatility yeah. against you know different opposition. And sadly, they're you know they've both been missing for for large parts of the season. There's a bit of that Arsenal injury tax or curse, really and truly. You can never have too many players. I mean, Tim, I think Timbers brand... one was unfortunate. Timbers one was you know, 50 minutes, bro, into his first no, Premier League start community. after a dream move. It sucks. And we were so gassed about like everything yeah. he did in the, on tour. There were two or three games in a row where we thought, wow, this guy is going to be electric. He struck gold, man. I really still believe down. that, but he's obviously exactly. injured. And then when he went down, man, on that Wembley turf, uh, and then the, you know, the diagnosis came out that it was going to be, what, March, April time. Ah, oh, it breaks your heart, man. It breaks your heart. And for me, mentally, I hope he's back sooner rather than later. But I've kind of written him off for, for this season, really. And I think Mikel Arteta, whether it's been major injuries like or Saliba's been fit, he's been very reluctant. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to bring them in. So I think he'll be looked after. But as you said, we miss him. Um, and it's an interesting one. Zinchenko's an interesting one. I think he's a footballer that, for me, I accept him for what he is. You're never going to be great defensively. You, you do you do amazing things in midfield. Personally, when you could drift in there, personally, I think I need to see a lot more in an attacking sense from my fullbacks because I think teams are kind of clocking how we're kind of playing. And obviously, if our fullbacks take players with them, then there's more space for actual danger players. I think when Mikel Arteta speaks about Zinchenko, it's very interesting in that he never really speaks about him specifically about defending. When he's asked about midfield, he says he joins in there. He describes him as an attacker. I think when he signed for the club um, in his opening statement, Arteta um, described him as a midfielder. Do you feel naturally with how the game's going and for different reasons, but, you know, Ramsdale looks like he's being eclipsed by Raya. Zinchenko came in and obviously took Tierney's place. And we need a squad. And I want to emphasize to people listening to this that we need a squad. And just, you know, because you lose your spot doesn't mean you're not vital. But do you think the likes of Zinchenko and Benjamin White, potentially, if we keep up this trajectory to where we want to go, they could kind of find themselves in a tiny bit of a demotion? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the thing here is that Arsenal fans need to accept that the bigger we get and the more competitive we get and the closer we get to the top, um, the more uncomfortable decisions the yep. country's going to have to make. You know, we, we've we've built such a nice group of really likable lads. Like any of these boys leave, everyone's going to be disappointed. Yeah, I can't, like, yeah, like mentally, I'm not ready to hate Ramsdale yet. I'm not ready to see him in, in, in the shirt of another Amen. club, right? But like, if he goes in Jan, you know, and he, he comes back for whoever he's playing for, you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to, you know, you've got to give him a stick and stuff. hundred really percent against weird. the game, bro. <laughs> so I think to your point about Sinchenko and Ben White, and, and actually to any player in the squad, you know, every player has to have one eye over their shoulder thinking, right, who, who's, 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 yeah. you know, climbing up that ladder? Who's going to, who's coming from my spot? And like I said, the more serious we become as a team, um, Mikel Arteta has shown it a number of times, as you've articulated. I think we have to get used to the fact that there's going to be some uncomfortable decisions. You know, we've seen good players come and go. We will see good players continue to come and go. And there's always going to be a point as well, DG, when we're going to have to like sell players to make money and to make tough exactly. decisions. So to lose someone like Ramsdale, who the fans love and the connection he's got with us and the journey that he's been on with us and taking us to Champions League football and all that sort of stuff. When we let him go, it's going to be desperately sad. But, you know, waiting in the wings will be somebody else to take his place and to take us, hopefully, one level higher. So, yeah, we just got to get used to it. Exactly. And I'm not saying necessarily anything Mikel Arteta has done in terms of alienating our, not even alienating. I think that's using the wrong terminology. It's just demoting Ramsdale or Tierney being shipped out. 
I'm not saying they're necessarily the right decisions and I don't know all the factors. Like, I think Arteta would have loved to have kept Tini, but Tini said, you know what, I need to go somewhere. I'm going to play more regular football. But we can't ask for ruthless decisions. The manager starts doing ruthless decisions and we're like, what's going on? And you know how fans are, you know. I know Ramsdale is universally loved by fans and whatnot, but a lot of the sentiment was, oh, he's been relegated back to back. How could he be brought back in? What can he do for us? And the very fact that we're talking about him like this shows Mikel Arteta's talent ID because when I looked at Ramsdale... I don't know if of Sheffield United you were playing out from the back, but I very much doubt it. You showed that Arsenal. So that shows the talent ID when you can't necessarily see something. I'm sure you've been asked a lot and I'm proud to have another content creator, so I don't have to say anything. But where are you at with David Raya versus Ramsdale and, and everything, man? Oh, mate, you know what? <clears throat> I, look, first of all... You've asked this, been answered this a million uh, times, I no, know. No, 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 you ha I have, but it, it, it's... It's an unfortunate answer because I, you know, a lot of people are going to like what I'm about to say. But first of all, it's really great that we've got two good goalkeepers yeah. vying for that number one spot. It's unusual. It's good strength and depth, and it could be forward thinking. I understand all of that. My biggest concern is that I think after last season, when we wanted to just think about how we improved last season, there was so much stability in that team. And I think we had stability in goal. I thought Ramsdale had a really good season last year. PFA nomination. A night for yeah. the goalkeeper, Ballon d'Or sign. Absolutely. We had stability in defence. We had stability in midfield. Now we changed up Xhaka. That's, that's, that's a big, big thing, right? People talk about Liverpool changing their midfield. We've changed Xhaka and Rice. Two in... It, Two in, like, so, I mean, we got rid of Xhaka. We brought in Rice. We brought in Havertz. So two out of our central three are new. We've then brought in a new goalkeeper. Like, that is half your spine that's brand new in a team where we didn't really want to disrupt too much. Like we're just trying yeah, to get finally game got some stability five, five after points. years of not having that right. at this new stadium. Well, not new exactly. Anymore, yeah. So <laughs> my, my thoughts are that I think Mikel unnecessarily complicated something that wasn't an issue. And in terms of what I see DG, and I want to get your thoughts on it as well, man, because um, you know, I, I, I love being asked the question, but I want to hear your thoughts. I don't see the tangible difference that David Raya brings. Like, I know I've got a sentimental attachment to Ramsdale. Like, I really love him. I love, you know, I sit North Bank lower every game. I have that connection with him. I see him for 45 minutes. I'm always rooting for him. But, like, I don't think David Raya is any more outstanding in any quality than Ramsdale. Raya's still making mistakes. I don't think he's as good a shot stopper. Okay. He's neat on the ball. His distribution arguably may be better, but. I'm not sure it is like factually. I need to see the facts and the stats to kind of see, you know, past completion, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, just I'm not I'm not sold, man. I mean, and the other thing is like, you know, David Ryers, weirdly, he's he doesn't seem as big or as commanding as Ramsdale. Now, Ramsdale's not a big goalkeeper. Yeah. But even he had a somewhat There's a bit of, of a stature about him, about him and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. But Raya to me, nah, it just doesn't fill me with confidence, man. So I'm just, I'm confused. Like, I'm really, really surprised that Arteta went out and spent, what, 30 million quid on Raya? That's what it's going to end up being. In a position where we just didn't need to disrupt it. Like, that 30 million could have gone elsewhere. What do you think? It's a weird one because, you know, obviously, Mikel Arteta, your job is to see, you know, as you mentioned, forward thinking. I'm not going to say I was happy about Tierney being alienated when Zinchenko initially came in. But when I saw Zinchenko playing as an inverted role, it was like, OK, I could get used to this. It's kind of difficult to go back to Kieran Tierney as much as I love him. So I think Arteta is paid to make those decisions. I think in an ideal world, you know, he'd love to be, quote unquote, fair to everyone. And as they say in life, every, you know, if it, life was fair, we'd have a lot less. But I, I, it's like it's like having two like two women you care about a lot. That's the only example I give of Raya and Ramsdale. It's like 
Raya was Rams. Raya, sorry, was Mikel Arteta's first choice, right? That was his first love. It couldn't happen once upon a time. He got with Ramsdale, which, you know, he came to love. Then Raya became available on the market. And I think he just said, you know what? That was my first choice. That's who I wanted. So that's where I'm, who I'm going to bring into the club. I hope that in months we get to see really why Raya was brought in. But I'm in the same camp as you in that. For me, I think the only thing that is, quite frankly, not that he's been terrible, but saving his bacon and not being dropped is his distribution and what Mikel Arteta demands of that. Like, based on where you sit as well, you probably see what Raya, what Raya does either side of either half, depending on kickoff, what he kind of does off the ball. I think that's the only thing saving him. In terms of shot stoppers, I think they're quite even. There, dare I say, Ramsdale went under a lot of pressure is a bit better there. I think Ramsdale, and confidence can come around in a lot of ways. But what we're made to believe in this English league, that's the Premier League, Ramsdale's got a bit more stature. And I just don't think Raya's clear of him. Like, I think they're two very good goalies. I don't think, I don't think we've seen this Brentford, Raya. And I don't think he's clear of him. I think had Mikel Arteta brought in, not I don't know who, but someone that was a colossal figure, someone that is evidently better than Ramsdale, I think everybody holds their hands up. So yeah. I think it's one where it's got to work because you have this conundrum of two keepers that, you know, both are in the same realm, good, bad and the ugly. And I also feel where Mikel Arteta probably didn't help himself was at the start of the season when he was saying, you know what, two keepers, I'll take a keeper off at half time. I, I, he can't control fan sentiment, but I think it's been a snowball effect. So like whenever Raya plays, we talk about Ramsdale, vice versa, the Sky Sports are zooming into their faces for 90 minutes. So it's a weird one, really. And as you mentioned, you know, if this is genuinely what he believes, you know, had he planned of, you know, Timber are starting left back, Raya, Raya in goal, you know, Gabriel was dropped at the start of the season. Had Raya come in then, I wonder what it looked like. But like you said, stability, because it looked like we had that. And it's a bit sad, I feel, for Ramsdale as well, because, as I said, a lot of people said he got relegated twice. He's not a keeper. He's not a talismanic figure. He kind of proved people wrong with the question marks he had. He signed a new deal. And then, yeah, it's like the, the flooring's been ripped from beneath his feet, really. But as I, I don't know, because I think there's a reality, bro, and it's not going to happen, but could you make a case of binning them both? Like the cynic in me, like just binning them both. Obviously, we know that's not realistic. But yeah, I don't think Raya's clear of him, really. I'm, I'm in the same camp as you, bro. I can't see us binning both, given that we spent so much money on, on both. It. This is it. Um, I think one of them will go. I think it's going to be Ramsdale. It could even be as early as Jan if we can find a very cheap alternative to sort of sit on the bench. But yeah. um, no, I can't, I can't see both going. I, listen, the one thing I will say is that our goalkeeping coach has a track record of purchasing some very questionable goalkeepers. Yeah. Mr. Renison. You talk about all the, yeah, all the keepers we've had over the years, Ospina, Renarsson, you know, Bert Leno came in, did well, and then sort of was ousted. David Raya, not quite that guy. I know um, hindsight's amazing, but you know, Martinez he was here at the club, but and you could argue that I'm not saying he's better than both, but some might like, you could make a case potentially being devil's advocate. Well, yeah. I mean, see, that's the interesting one. Emmy Martinez, I know at the time we 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 sold him because he had a sellable value, right? Villa have paid what 20 million quid for him. Yeah. He could quite easily be number one for Arsenal. There's no doubt about it. You know, he's a top goalkeeper. He's a bit wacky. Um and fans would have fell in love with him. He's a bit like Ramsdale in that regard, you're yeah, right. And, and and when you think about it, like as of today, we spent 60 million quid on two goalkeepers when we had Emmy Martinez right there. And like that 60 million pounds, you know, you wonder what what else we could have had in our team. So look at Arteta's clearly a very intelligent man he's doing the right thing but he's not immune to criticism and i think it's too early to, yeah it's too early to maybe criticize but we can have our reservations right 
Um, what he's doing is new. Having two number ones, uh, you know, competing for one spot at a club is is revolutionary. If it works out, he'll you know, hail the genius. Yeah, but if yeah. it doesn't, and it causes that weekly stress that you mentioned a minute ago, DG, about you know any mistake Ryan makes, the debate on the radios, in the papers, on the timeline is always... The papers are selling oh, themselves, Ram man. Ramsdale coming back in, is he? Um, so, yeah, it's just an unnecessary issue that he's kind of created, and I wonder if that's going to cost us in the long run. And I also wonder, in hindsight, how would he have handled that? And I'd, I'd also feel, just feeling, thinking about it now, what did he say to both? Like, did he tell Ramsdale bringing in a number, another keeper? Did he not? Did he tell Raya, you're coming in to be the number one? Ramsdale, it's your spot and you can grab it back. I guess we'll never know. And as you said, I hope Raya can convince if, if, if we're not convinced. Speaking of two other summer signings, you know, one's probably easy and one's actually probably turned their form around of recent. What have you made of Kai Havertz and Declan Rice? Because Kai Havertz has been a bit of a journey. Declan Rice, we fell in love from day one, really. Decker's man. What a player. What I mean, the West Ham fans tried to tell us. We didn't take it in. They're right. West yeah. Ham, you're right. He's world-class. He's everything, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's unreal, man. He's unreal. He, he's got the lot, DG. He's an endurance athlete. He's physically robust. Six-foot-plus presence. He's a leader. Presence. He's, oh, mate. I mean, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm an old Arsenal fan, right? And... <laughs> uh, I've seen lots of players come and go over the years. And obviously, you know, when Vieira left, everyone used to talk about, oh, he, this guy's a new Vieira. This guy's a new Vieira. And we oh, been down that I, it always turned out was never there. I'm not saying Declan Rice is at that level yet, but there are so many things to Declan Rice's game that remind me of the great man. Like the way he carries the ball, the way he gallops, the way he tackles, the way he just appears out of nowhere with his octopus legs. He is phenomenal. And I cannot... Uh, I'm running out of words for him. My biggest regret about Deckers, right, is that Thomas Party's injured. Yeah, man. I'm telling you now, if Thomas Party was fit and available every week for the first 16 games, we'd be 10 points clear. No doubt about it. Imagine them two in the middle of the park. Party, Rice, and Erdegaard. Mate, are you having a laugh? Like these we'd three. Be lit, man. What a midfield. What a midfield. So, as much as I'm so excited about Declan Rice, I feel so let down by Thomas Party not being there because Party on his day is one of the best in the game. Best number six. Rice could have been, you know, it depends on who you're playing, right? You could have two sixes, you can have six and an eight, like whatever whatever you wanted to do. Options galore, really. Options galore, man. And I feel so gutted about that. On Havertz, I really want to like him, DG. I really want to like him. Like, I think there's no doubt he's a good footballer. He had a great reputation when he was at Leverkusen. Chelsea bought him, played him, a dis played him in a dysfunctional team. Didn't quite work out for him. I understand all of that. I think he did struggle first 10, 12 games. Yeah, first. He really trying to Looked find like he had no confidence. Yeah, trying to sort of settle into a team, into a new position and trying to, you know, he's in that role. He's a, he's like the connector, right? He's in that role where he's got Martinelli to the left, Jesus up top, Erdegaard to his right, Saka out on the right-hand side and Decker's behind him. And he's in that role where... And Zinni somewhere connector. about as well, yeah. And yeah, yeah. But, but that role is quite difficult to play if you don't know the movements of your, yeah, of your teammates. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about automatisms, right? Sometimes you want to you want to be so fluid in your game that every time one player gets the ball... You already know. You, there, two, are, two, two other players in the team are already on their way thinking, right, because I know that ball's going to get to that player and that player's going to release it to me. Yep. So like, but that, it just hasn't been there yet. But we're seeing now, the last two, three games, I think Kai's imposed himself on the game. He's physically more stronger than, than than he appears. He's quicker than he looks. His ball control is good. He's a really intelligent player. And yeah. I think maybe he's just confidence, man. Like, you know, he scored that first goal. He scored the penalty down against Bournemouth. Yeah, that but was like that was a charity, charity one, really. Yeah, knows, yeah, it's not really a serious the one, Brentford, really. That Brentford winner. 
in the last minute. Um, and then he followed it up in the Champions League with a goal. And then what was the game? What was the other league game the other day? Luton. Luton. Like, he's just getting into his stride. And I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch at Villa Park as well. So yeah. if he can, you know, start again Sunday, nab a goal on Sunday against Brighton, and then hey, he's flying. So look, I'm, I'm nothing more to say about Declan Rice. I just pray he doesn't get injured. And I really want Party to come back. And the rumours are that he's, you know, back in training, almost in full training. But Kai Havertz is a lot more to come. Like you said, there's a lot more to come with Kai Havertz. I do think at a point kind of re around the Newcastle game and we went out to, I want to say, West Ham in the cup. Havertz was, I think Havertz, in, in a sense, from day one, he's fitting in, in a sense of, I think you know exactly what Mikel Arteta demands of you off the ball. But on the ball, I agree with you, haven't seen much. Just hope the comp, simply as you really, just hope the confidence continues. Because you can make your manager look like an idiot or a genius. Right now, Arteta looks like a genius. 65 million, nobody's saying anything about it. You touched on Thomas Partey. When, at what point do we give up on him if we were to be devil's advocate? Because I love him. Like you said, when fit, quality player, quality option in the squad. You know, Mikel Arteta loves him so much. He played right back. But you look at his age, his profile, his wages, the big money that we spent. Probably need to revitalise and revolutionise our midfield properly in the summer in the same stroke that we brought in Rice. I don't necessarily think Partey has to leave. But like you said, in terms of getting better at selling players at, at today, making this video on the 14th of December, you can make a case of probably Smith Rowe, uh, Aaron Ramsdale and probably Thomas Partey to free up quote unquote resources. So, like, where are you at with Partey, man? Because, yeah, well, man, injuries as a player, DG, phenomenal when he's fit and when he's on his game, no one touches him. I like he, he's unique, he's a sensational footballer. But the biggest strength you've got as a footballer is your presence and your availability. And Granite Xhaka would always have that. You know, we know that Partey's a superior player to Xhaka, but Xhaka was ever present. Man. Absolutely. So where I'm at is unless, let's say, an Italian club comes in January and offers a stupid money, I think you sell. You'd have to be silly. You'd have to be daft not to. Contract runs out in 18 months, never really fit. And with some you know, other stuff that's going on in his life, probably the right time to go. However, yeah. I'm a romantic man. I'm a believer. And... I think Just like me, you, yep. Could do another yeah, year, man. It's the hope that kills you, isn't it? Well, exactly. no, what I'm saying is, I really want to see Party and Rice play together. And if we, let's say, don't rush Party back this time, you know, let's say he gets through, hopefully he goes to, you know, to AFCON and comes back and, you know, comes back sort of unscathed. If we can get 12, 15 games out of Party in the second half of this season, that could be massive. That could be so, so important to this and He did club. make 40 appearances last year for as much as he's got the time right? about being injury prone. Right? So to this is fair. what I'm saying. Like, mate, we're on the same we're on the same uh, page here because he's he's not he's not played first half of the season. He's had his injury problems. He's had off the field, you know, um, yeah. alleged sort of challenges. Um, he will go to Afcon. He'll come back, but you know, to sell him for ten fifteen million doesn't really do us any favors because who who can you get? You can't, unless you well. unless you've got the you know, the young Arsene Wenger that can find these new midfielders, <laughs> ten million yeah. ain't going nowhere today's day. So age, in that case, you know, wrap him up in cotton wool, give him all the treatment he needs, um, and if we can get a dozen games in the last sort of, even if he plays one in two for the last half of the season, that could be such a massive difference to our team, man. And you know, you get to the Champions League stages to have. Imagine having a fit Thomas Party for even just five or six games in the Champions League. That's the reason we bought him. That's the difference. Yeah, that's the difference. Haven't even don't... played in the competition that helping us oh, catch, mate, get back in there. Don't, don't. It's, it's it, I, honestly, this is my biggest sadness. All right, we're talking about rice. We're talking about my my biggest regret. And I, I tweeted it a couple of weeks ago saying, imagine 
if we'd have had Timber and Party in this team, we would be throwing Tommy miles in the squad as well. Miles ahead. Definitely uh, where Anfield's concerned as well, man. Like that was my big thing going into this season in that I thought we had players that were strong defensively and strong 1v1. Now, as Arsenal fans, I always say we probably have to be a bit pessimistic in our expectations of injuries. I do think we've coped, quote-unquote, quite well with injuries since August because, as you said, what we've got two defeats in the league. You know, we've gone out the cup, unfortunately. They might even... Uh, yeah, we lost in the Champions League, but that was that was plain sailing. I still think that... I don't know how you feel about our midfield, but it still gives me a bit of sleepless nights because... As you said, yeah. Partey, the quality's there. Declan Rice's quality. I like Jorginho, but I'm not looking at you for 20 or 38 games. The same for Bro, that is it. Where you that is it. it. That is it. Rock, mate, we are one ping away from Jorginho having a prolonged run in the team. And he's not a bad player by any stretch. But That's the thing. Declan Rice is here. You know, Thomas Partey's maybe... Then it starts affecting part. the system and all the other players with the greatest of respect like, to him, man. That's it, man. So I am very uneasy. In fact, I mean, we talk about, we, you asked me earlier about would I buy a striker and do I think we need a striker? Look, I think we need a centre forward. That's probably a luxury. I think we need a central midfielder because Jorginho and Elneny, the drop... Elneny might even have a Saliba knock as well. Holding, yeah, but, but, but the drop we saw last season from Saliba to holding is what we're going to see from Rice to Jorginho. We know that, right? I'm, that's I'm not even fair to them, really, because they're just not the way that it is. And, you know, defensively as well, man. I mean... If Timber and Tommy Asu are going to miss large parts of the second half of the season, maybe we need a defensive player. So, yeah, we're 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 you know we're doing fine. We're sort of chugging along, but we are just one injury away from. I mean, Ben White gets injured. Cedric's playing in the team. Yeah. Like, do you know how yeah. mad that is? We're playing a dangerous, uh, quite a dangerous, a dangerous game, game in my game. opinion. And uh, where Saliba and actually Benjamin White since returning back to fitness, I'm a bit concerned because I'm pretty sure you're like myself. You listen to what Mikel Arteta says and he does kind of allude to players are carrying knocks. And as we know, a couple of players have been carrying knocks and been in and out the side. While I like the depth and the improvements and uh, the players that were existing improving, I still don't think we're that team that can really properly cope with key players being out, or if not key players, very functional players. For instance, God forbid, I think he's one of our most underappreciated players. He hasn't even got a chance. Gabriel, anything happens to Gabriel, we're, we're in problems. Big problems, man. So what? It's, it's safe to say you're of the belief in January. I agree if, if this is the case. If you can get another defensive body, if you can get a central midfielder, those things are kind of pivotal. Strikers and wingers will probably be luxur luxuries if you can do that, get it done. And then there's probably one eye on what maybe happens with the goalkeeping situation. <sighs> Look, man, January, we know, is not the best time to buy, right? Exactly. Um, we also know that money is going to be fairly limited this Jan. So yep. if, the, you know, I, I think we, we might see one, maybe two players. Like the second player could be like a, you know, weird sort of like Trossard type deal or a Jorginho type deal. Um, the low market, whoever that is, well, maybe, they yeah, are. maybe maybe even alone. Like if I had it's to pick one priority, it would probably be. Holy moly, that's such a different. Who what would exactly? I do? I wouldn't, even I Declan Rice is having to play centre half now. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't touch the goalkeepers. I think Kivior could play centre back. Declan Rice could obviously step in because he started off as a centre back. Hopefully, Tommy Asu will be back. So maybe that's a bit more of a gamble. Midfield wise, if you if you're hoping that Party comes back and maybe Jorginho can cover, I think a striker is the least of my concerns. But I think I think that's more of a long term thing. As much as I'd love, yeah, one. I think central midfielder or some sort of a defensive player are probably the two that I'd go for. It's a bit weird because I feel like a few months ago, Arsenal fans, all the talk about January was a striker or a wide man. Now it kind of yeah. then it kind of shifted into midfield. 
And now it's kind of midfield slash defence. Now, I'm very big on Arsenal fixing our midfield. There's actually a running joke with some of my subscribers since I've started YouTube. I've asked Arsenal to improve this midfield and it hasn't quite been done with the luxury of Declan Rice. I am getting a bit scared defensively, though. I am. I, yeah. I, I'm finding it very hard to, to remain firm in the centre midfield camp and say, Do you know what, defensively, because as you mentioned, we saw what happened um, with, with players last season and I just think we're a bit nervous there. I feel sorry for Tommy Asi because he was really coming into a very good bit of form, man. So I guess we'll just have to see and deal with January at that point. You kind of touched on Kiryu and that sets this up really because PSV, what did you make of that game? What did you make of the fringe players? What did you make of Mikel Arteta's alleged reluctance to not play young players? Because some fans have been fuming on social media, man. Yeah, listen, um, I understand. So on the young players, I, I understand, you know, we've got a really great academy as we've seen, you know, over the years we've produced so many great young players and you look at the squad now and we've got, you know, young Highlanders throughout in all positions. And I think it was a complete dead rubber. If you can't get a game in a game like that, and then, you know, when are you going to get minutes this season? To be fair, if you couldn't play in the, in the game at home where we was winning 4-0, I didn't think you're playing away yeah, from home, true, really. True, man. True, true. That is a tough nut to crack, man. True. true. But I, I do think the overreactions have been exactly that, you know. Too far, uh, man. Let's, let's, not, let's not lose the plot. Arteta's building something special. But I will say, you know, one, one thing that I didn't, didn't enjoy watching was I thought this was a perfect game to just rotate 1-11. to That there was no need to give Gabriel the 490, Saliba the 490, you know, even having Jesus and Rice come on for five, 10 minutes, whatever it was, and traveling with the squad, Saka, you know, he did the warm up, then he went in early. Um, like there was just no need for it. Like let them stay at home, let them go to Colney, do their massages, do their warm ups and warm downs, light sessions, whatever, and just have them ready for Sunday. Because Sunday, you know, let's not forget, Brighton were dancing on our graves last season. And yeah, we've, yeah, got, yeah. we've got something to settle with them, you know. And they, so, love, they love to ruin our seasons and, and days it. and things. They really. love it. So I was really surprised, but um, look, I mean, Reese played all right. Um, really keep your game for him, yeah. Okay. Um, and Ketia obviously scored. And there's, there's nothing that I, I came away from that game thinking, ah, yeah, that was outstanding or that was brilliant. We should have just rotated 1-11 to and, you know, like I say, dead rubber. And in the end, we've ended up taking some of our first teamers, playing some of our first teamers and not winning the game anyway. So, yeah. yeah and then they've picked up a knock as well. Yeah, well, look, I don't want to dwell on it too much, DG, because look, we're in a really good place. We do have a good squad and, you know, we've we've qualified as group leaders. We're at Europe's top table, ready for the draw Monday. It's going to be super exciting. But like, you know, it's all about Brighton, man. If, you know, if if, if Sally, if Saliba and Gabriel was huffing and puffing out of his backside. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just a game he didn't need to play. I so, think our centre-half yeah. against PSV had to be centre-backs and be a bit like midfielders trying to create. I think they had to do yeah. a lot, man. Had to do a it lot. Did, unless, completely unnecessarily as well. But hey, that's that's the game. You touched on it, man. How are you feeling going into Brighton? Because as I said, Arsenal fans, we haven't been a bit spoiled. But in all comps, our last two games, we haven't got a win. We all know this month is crazy. We all know the Anfield games coming up. We've got West Ham. We've got some difficult games, man. It's a testing period. Where are you at for Brighton? We have. Listen, I'm 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 ready for Brighton. I think the team are going to be ready. I'm confident. I think the boys are gonna they're gonna have that pain in their minds from last season you know I know we didn't lose the league against Brighton but they certainly enjoyed playing us and the season before actually um when uh was it Jacques who got sent off and they beat us 3-0 yeah man it's, it's we've the, had some, we've had some crazy games oh, against yeah, them man. Like, was, really, especially really, at the Emirates really man games. but we you know we have a score to shitting on us, <laughs> <laughs> but we have a score to settle and I think the boys are going to be just fine if we can you know if we go first first strength 11 play the way we did against Villa dominate the game 
be comfortable in our in our in possession, create chances the way that we do, be patient. Yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. I'm looking forward to Sunday. And then I think we have the week off before we go to Anfield and we'll boy we'll make that, that count. week. Yeah, we we have to take that that week. I mean, that is probably what I'm more nervous about. And then five days after that, we've got um West Ham at home yeah. so look three really difficult fixtures um but you know one at a time i'm confident I'm, I'm glad we're playing brighton at home put it that way i think this sunday two o'clock emirates stadium i think we should be fine you what would be your 11 does it pick itself or is Ooh. there any changes because some fans based on how you, you you're speaking i don't think nelson's quite banged on your door to say start but some nah, fans would nah. reckon martin elliott trust ain't done too much no, you, you you can't drop Sachs, man. I mean, Sachs has got to play. I, I think I think it's the same eleven that played at Villa. You know, Sinchenko left back. Yeah, Saliba, Gabriel, stuff, Ben White, um, Rice in midfield with Erdegaard and, and Havertz, um, Martinelli, Sachs, and Jesus. And if there's rumours that Party's going to be on the bench, I mean, that'd be a massive boost ahead of Anfield. But you know, don't want to rush him back. You know, if you can get maybe a few minutes, that'd be great. But if not, yeah, first eleven against Villa, it should be more than enough to beat Brighton at home. What would you say for a prediction? I'm going to go with 2-0. I shouldn't, but I'm going to, man. I'm going to speak into existence. <laughs> I don't think we're going to keep a clean sheet because Neither I think I. Brighton have got really? some really good individuals. Uh, you know, Mitoma's good. Ferguson's good. Um, they're good at set pieces. Uh, so I think 3-1 Arsenal. You know what? Let's go with that. And my final question, a bit about Mikel Arteta or indirectly Arsenal. How are you feeling about challenging for a Premier League title? And how do you feel about our Champions League campaign in the latter stages now because it's been great so far listen on the champions league as i mentioned a few minutes ago it's great to be back at, at europe's top table and dining with the with the best yes. we've Fact. missed that music we've missed those nights we've missed the aura that this competition brings and when i look at the potential opponents for us in the next round i'm not fearing anyone man even psg sounds ludicrous because they've got Mbappe over two legs you never know mate no i don't don't fear it don't fear it i think the champions league will suit us as long as we don't play an English team. And obviously it's only City who's left now. Um, as long as we don't play an English team, you know, the, st the style of play, the pace of play, the that we're used to like ferocity and intensity in the Premier League. I think we, our players will have more time on the ball. I think it kind of suits us. So look, we've got a great chance. We've got a great chance. You know, Real Madrid, Man City are probably the two teams to beat. The league though, DG, I'd have said at the start of the season, City were the standard bearers and they are. Treble winning champions, they are the team to beat. Five They'll Premier League titles have in six luxury, years. Yeah. They, they have, they've got such a great squad. And when De Bruyne is back, and we know that there's one team in the top three currently that is capable, sorry, top four currently, that is capable of going on 14, 15 games back to back. We it's know that City are capable of doing that. They're probably going to do that second half of the season. But I didn't ever expect Liverpool to settle the way they have because they replaced their whole midfield. I know they've yeah. just lost Joel Matip. Mo Salah goes to AFCON. Let's see how that sort of affects them. And Egypt as, as hosts might go far in that tournament. Um, we hope they do. Hope they go as far as they yeah. can, man. <laughs> You're damn right. You're damn right. But like the thing about Liverpool, man, is that Klopp has his teams creating chances like a machine. Like if you watch their games, the game against Crystal Palace, even though Palace were 1-0 up and I know they were reduced to 10 men, Liverpool had this ability to create chances once every 90 seconds, once every half two minutes. Heart and mouth shot on goal. They shoot on sight. They get the ball into the box. Their variety of plays is amazing. And when you've got players like Diaz and Salah and Jota and, you know, whoever else they've got these days, they are they're dangerous, man. They're a problem. They're not going away. And they've only lost one league game in 29 league games. Ridiculous. And that's phenomenal. That is ridiculous. And that's going like, under the routine. radar, which I'm sure they're yeah. loving 
Exactly. So, and listen, if if Klopp goes out and gets, let's say, a Paulinha or a, or a central defensive midfielder of some sort in January, I mean, they get a six where everyone's in trouble. In trouble. Yeah, we could be in trouble. So, look, I, I think Arteta's building something great. I really hope we do it this year, DG. It's been a long time coming. A long time. I, fa- I fancy us to have a nice strong run in the Champions League, but the game's about fine margins, and we know what bad officiating we can do. We know what an unlucky draw in the Champions League might do. So I'm excited, but I'm I'm also terrified at the same time. But you got to be in it to win it, man. So let's hope. Let's hope we finish strong. Like like you like you said, man. You got to be in it to win it. While we're in the Champions League, anybody has a chance. You know, Inter That's weren't it. the favourites to get to a final. I think Benfica got to the semis. Obviously, you don't get trophies for that. But we should enjoy the competition, like Edu said. The Premier League, though, I'm a bit harsher, and I'm a bit as much as I love what Arteta is doing, what our players are doing. When I kind of remove my lenses of our project and look at winning a league. You've got to be targeting 90 points in August. Obviously, that fluctuates. Yeah. Are we a 90 points team? I don't want to pour cold water on it, and I hope we are, but I don't know. And I feel Who, who's winning it this... for you? Go on. Is, who's is that... I have to still give it to City, man. They've just burnt me so many times. I I, I agree not, with you. Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool are up there. If anyone could do it, they've shown that they can they can lose a war but win a battle. So you have to give credit to Liverpool. I just think because of City and the fact that they have won a treble and Pep and you just you just know so he's good. not happy with this. And at some point they're, so they're gonna hit back. So I'm kind of nervous. Man. They'll buy someone in January as well, you know. This is they'll it. Buy someone in January. And if you think about the players, right? You, you remember last season there was a time when De Bruyne couldn't get in the team and everyone was like, yeah. What's going, going on? What you look at He's he's not using Kovacic, um, Mateus Nunez as much as other players right now. Like he's going with John Stones in midfield, like like, and you will see that Kovacic, Nunez, they'll play a lot of games in the second half of the season. And that's what he does. He always play. He always like rests two or three key first teamers. He lets them not play much in the it's first man. big second half. Mate, it's just what happens when he got a big squad. So I'm with you. I think City are the team. Liverpool are a problem. Uh, and I think the league is going to be very difficult to win. That's the thing, man. I just feel with, I actually feel with City, a lot of talk is about Rodri not being there. Of course it will be. I think they miss Gundogan and Kevin De Bruyne are more than people give them credit for. Definitely in the game with Emirates. So I'm keen to see what they do in January. Obviously, Pep would have known the minute I won the treble, the minute that treble was confirmed, he started planning things. You know, Pep doesn't do complacency. And to the outsiders looking in, it probably does look a bit of that. So they'll hit back. With me, with Arsenal though, since we, Mikel Arteta has walked in, I don't feel that I've necessarily, in hindsight, been scared going into games where we've won, lost or drawn. I think we can compete. I just think the biggest thing that goes against us is we shoot ourselves in the foot far too much. Like, we should have beat Fulham. Obviously, you can't win them all, but we should have beat Fulham. We should have got something out yeah. of Aston Villa. We definitely should have turned up against Chelsea from minute zero. Spurs, I don't know what we was doing at the Emirates. And again, these things happen, but... If you're winning the league, definitely if City are messing about and things, you need to w- win these sort of games. I feel as much as I've loved the Lutons and the Brentfords and these things happen, it's big, it's a probably a bit more dramatic than it needs to be. And I think we need to keep chasing that illusion of perfection. And I just don't know for us the depth in our squad. I don't know for our volatile young players. I don't know what the climate is going to look like next January, you know, with injuries and things. So I back us all the way. I'm full of optimism. But when I look at our rivals, I'm not going to lie. I'm like this a lot of the time. I'm looking at Liverpool, but... I just refuse to believe Pep Guardiola is going to let City continue like this. And at some point, as you said, there's that 14, 15 games. And also last season, man, like what we was on, I don't want to remind anyone, but 200 odd days, they had what, 10, oh. it felt like seven. And ultimately have they got the big one. Table? Have you seen that league table from last season where I think it was like 20 games, 29 games played? 
and we were like eight points clear of City. See what I'm talking so about. In the, so in the next nine games that followed, there was a, like a 15-point swing. Like eight and then points. you look at the Southampton, Liverpool and West Ham games where we shot ourselves in the foot. This is, this is, what, I, this is what I'm speaking Trossard about. Trossard hitting the bar in that Southampton game, 3-3. Three, 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 oh. Fine margins. I, mean, I know VAR did us dirty Anfield. at home to Brentford, oh. but still Anfield as well. Like I don't want to remind anyone. West Ham. West Ham, all of them, bro. Minutes. And we've shot ourselves in the foot in all of them. That is where I need <sighs> to see us eradicate that. And do you know what? I hope that the players, in the same way, I think when we lost out to Spurs in top four, the next season, we obviously got it. And I think the players used that, like, that right, negative nice. experience as a sort of booster. So I hope last season they remember how it felt because I have liked that, you know. It doesn't seem like Arteta or the players are happy when we necessarily win, but it's easier said than done, man. And... You know, you look over at City and, and Liverpool, how many players have you got in them squads that you know for at least 28, 30 of them, 38 games, they're going to be on song with us. I love Saka. I think he's one. I think Declan Rice is one. I think Saliba's one. And there's a lot of other good players, but there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that need answering, my guy. So we're going to have to see, man. But FK, you know, this has been fantastic. It's been just short of an hour. We've spoken about everything. Plug your channel. I can't imagine nobody knows about your content, but it's good to hear it from the horse's mouth, man. Let us know where uh, we can find you. Thanks, man. If anybody wants to try maybe some sort of different style of content, Latte Firm is is the place to go on YouTube. And of course, uh, on Twitter, I'm, I'm F Carnage, which is my personal account, or Latte Firm for post-match phone-ins on a match day. So thanks, man. I've really enjoyed it, DG. It's been a long time. I know long time, man. so kindly. Back. You need to come onto my channel. I would love Let to do know, that. Let me know, man. I'm always ready um, for the invite, bro. I've had one appearance. I need to make another one, man. <laughs> thank you, man. I, I would love that. But listen, it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, talking about Arsenal and the situations that we're in, you know, we're competing for the biggest things. It's fantastic. Like you said, it's fantastic, people. You know you like the guy's content. Follow his socials. All the information is in the description. Or well, by the time this video actually comes out, his name should be in the title. So you, all you have to do is click such. But on that note, people, like, comment, subscribe. Do all that good stuff. Let us know how you felt about everything we discussed. We're out of here, man. FK, take, take care of yourself, man. Peace. Thank you, my Come friend. Come on, my Thank guy. You. Safe. Appreciate you for coming, man. <laughs> I've been good. Like.